Welcome to the Minor and Landis Immigration Update Podcast, the podcast that immigration professionals and foreign nationals turn to for up-to-the-minute information. This week, we have a break from our usual format. Minor and Landis Immigration Associate Kristen Sisko has compiled a rapid-fire Q&A of the five most important things you need to know when considering filing an NIE. She's joined by immigration partner Lynn Walker. So right now, without any further delay, I'm going to turn it over to Lynn to introduce the episode and get things started. Hi, I'm Lynn Walker, partner at Minor and Landis, and I'm joined today by my colleague Kristen Sisko, who's going to share the five most important items that you, as a foreign national, need to share with us or your attorney in order to prepare an NIE, which is also known as a national interest exception. I'm sure many of you are as tired as Kristen and I about talking or hearing of NIEs and presidential proclamations. This is something we've been dealing with since around March 2020 when the United States first started experiencing the COVID outbreaks. So I'm sure you're also aware by now that there are numerous presidential proclamations barring the entry of immigrants and non-immigrants into the U.S. And this was issued in an attempt to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Individuals who are subject to these bans are required to obtain an NIE in order to enter the U.S. Now, this is all a little bit tricky because each country has a different NIE process, um, and even embassies within each country have a different process. So what we're going to share with you today is really five things that we believe are applicable to every embassy. This is information that you're going to need to provide or need to know whether you're applying in, in India, in the UK, in China. Now, again, every embassy has a different process and procedure, but this information seems to be consistent throughout the embassies where we have assisted our clients in applying for NIEs. Kristen, what is the first piece of information that you need to know if someone thinks they are subject to a presidential proclamation? So if a client or a potential client comes to us about this topic, the first question I ask them is, what country are you in and how long have you been in that country? At the moment, there are 33 countries that are subject to the ban. These countries include the Schengen area, which is most of Europe. So the UK, France, Spain, Italy, Germany, Denmark, just to name a few countries there. Then it also includes China, Iran, Brazil, South Africa, and India. To see the full list of all 33 countries, uh, check out our LinkedIn post regarding NIE fatigue. That will list all the countries for you. It's important for us to understand what country the foreign national is in to first determine if they're subject to the ban. For example, if somebody contacts us about submitting an NIE request, but they tell us that they're in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, or Barbados, I'd likely tell them, just enjoy the beach, don't worry about it, you're not subject to the ban, assuming you've been there for 14 days. So if you had been in one of the banned countries or had traveled through one of the banned countries in the past 14 days, we would need to explore the situation a bit more for them 
to, to determine whether or not they're subject to the ban. So again, the first piece of information that we really need is what country the foreign national is in and how long they've been in that country. So let's say a person is physically present in one of these geographically banned countries. What is the next information that you need? So the next question I ask them is, what is their immigration status? And what is the immigration status of their immediate relatives? So immediate relatives, meaning their spouse and children. So their immigration status is important since certain individuals are exempt from the ban. These individuals include U.S. citizens, lawful permanent residents of the U.S., students on F or M visas, diplomats and government officials entering the U.S. on A or G visas, and crew members traveling through the U.S. on C and D visas. So if you're in one of these categories, you don't need an NIE since you're not subject to the ban. Next, I need to know from them what the immigration status is of their immediate relatives. So their spouse and if they have any minor children under the age of 21. Now, if they have a spouse or a minor child that's a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident, they're exempt from the ban as well. So once I have the answers to these questions, you know, first, what country are you in? How long have you been in that country? what's your immigration status, what's the immigration status of your immediate relatives, we could really determine whether or not they're even subject to the ban and whether they require an NIE to enter the United States. So let's say the foreign national is not a U.S. citizen, lawful permanent resident, F or M student, or any of the other exempt individuals. What is the next essential information that you need? So the next essential item that I need from somebody is what their occupation is. I need to know specifically what their job description is, not just their job title. So to be successful with an NIE request, we need to show that the individual is providing vital support or executive direction for critical infrastructure or significant economic activities in the United States. So it's important to understand what their job description entails and what their role is. How do you know if something is critical infrastructure? That sounds so vague or general. Do we have any guidance about what qualifies as critical infrastructure? Yes. So the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, otherwise known as CISA, published a memo providing further guidance on what's considered critical infrastructure in the United States. Now, this memo lists several categories of workers that the Department of Homeland Security identifies as essential to critical infrastructure. A copy of this memo can be found on one of our several NIE articles posted on LinkedIn. So check out our our posts if you're curious on specifically what categories of workers are encompassed in this memo. In order for us to fully assess whether somebody fits into one of these critical infrastructures, we really need to understand the type of work that they're doing in the United States. So that's why it's really critical for them to disclose to us exactly what their occupation is and what their job description is for their role in the United States. 
once you have the person's occupation and job title and duties, what else do you need to know in order to prepare the NIE? I also need to know why the person can't perform the job overseas. Sometimes there's certain jobs that you need to physically be in the United States to carry out. And it's important to understand why the individual may not be able to perform their job from overseas. So the officers adjudicating these NIE requests are interested in knowing whether or not the person actually needs to be physically in the United States. A lot of times these NIEs will get um, declined if the officer thinks the person can perform their role from overseas and they've been performing their role remotely. So I need more information from the individual specifically about their job duties and why they physically need to be in the United States to perform their role. So now that we have all this background information, what is the final piece of information that you need in order to prepare and submit an NIE? So the final piece of information is what their anticipated travel date is to the United States. It's important to know their anticipated travel date because while the requirements for the NIEs vary greatly amongst different countries, most countries require that the NIE requests be submitted no more than 30 days prior to the anticipated travel date. So while some embassies are taking more than 60 days to process these NIEs, the earliest you can file is 30 days before your travel date. So if somebody comes to us and they say, I'm not gonna be traveling for another six months, we'll tell them to contact us you know, in another four months or so. Who knows what will happen in the next four months? You know, It's unlikely, but potentially they may not need an NIE. So we ask them to contact us closer to the date so that we can make a timely submission on their behalf within the 30 days of their travel date. Thank you, Kristen, for sharing your expertise with us today. Those five points that you provided are really insightful and can help a foreign national and their attorney to determine whether an NIE is even needed. We want to thank our listeners. And if you are interested in learning more about NIEs or any other immigration topic, we invite you to follow us on LinkedIn, where we post weekly immigration updates, and also to download or subscribe to our podcast. Disclaimer, the information contained herein is intended only for educational or informational purposes and is not a substitute for legal advice. Further, listening to this HR tip in no way establishes an attorney-client relationship between you and Minor and Landis LLP. Listeners should consult legal counsel for definitive advice regarding the current law and regulations and how those apply to your unique situation within your organization.